I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. It's like walking out, there's just not much to it, but you do something like that, it's just like, dadding ain't easy, you know what I mean? We always celebrate moms here, but hey, can we just give a big hand to the dads out there? Well, uh, dadding is not easy, and I know there's a lot on the plate of many of you who love and lead within your homes. Uh, we're in our series called Family Goals, and we're going to take a little bit of time today talking about dadding a little bit. And uh, Family Goals is not about where we've been, but rather where we are going. And there's a reason why I brought this lawnmower out. Uh, maybe you've heard of lawnmower parenting. Has anybody heard of that? A few of us have? Yeah, a few of us are. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of different things about uh, parenting. Uh, there was a term that came out a little while ago. It was called helicopter parenting. And helicopter parenting is kind of that hovering and going and swooping up uh, your kids. Uh, anytime any kind of problem uh, ar- arose upon them and you just got, hey, you got to rescue them from it. We couldn't get the approval for a helicopter in this place. The drone was about the closest we could get. So we decided for the lawnmower. What happened is about... Well, a year ago or so, a parent put a blog out and talked about this idea of lawnmower parenting. What does that mean? What does it look like? And, uh, you know, how we can be careful of it. And I'll explain what that is in just a second. Uh, when I think of teachers that have to deal with lots of parents, we love teachers around this place. We get the privilege to meet in a school. Can we just thank the teachers that serve so graciously in our community? It is... Uh, Teacher Appreciation Week, and as Rock Harbor, we get the chance to come alongside 590 teachers this week here at Rocky Mountain, a couple of middle schools and elementary schools right in this area uh, with a gift and saying, thank you, we appreciate what you do um, at uh, in our community, and so that's something that we're pumped about. This teacher put together this de- definition of a lawnmower parent, and what it means is it's this desire to mow down anything that would possibly get in the way of our kids. You know, if that's a person and they say, our kid can't or our kid shouldn't or our kid doesn't. We're like, yes, they do. They are the best. They're number one. Why did you give them this grade instead of they earned it? You know, back in the day, the kids got in trouble. Now the parents get in trouble um, or the teachers get get in trouble. It's changed just a a little bit. Um, Maybe you find yourself to be a rake parent. Okay, where you find yourself always coming behind your kids and, and raking up the messes that they make, or just maybe you just got little ones, they just trash your house. They trash in the joint, and you just find yourself always raking up uh, behind them. Um, maybe for you, it is this um, pick parent, okay? <laughs> that you're, you know, why did you, why didn't you take out the trash? You know, why, did, why didn't you get, do you, why is that grade still at that level? I, I may find myself to be associated with this at times. And you're thinking, I wouldn't pick or nag if you would pick up after yourself or you'd pick up your grades. Um, but maybe you find yourself, or may, maybe for you, you're identifying with some of this the way that you were raised or maybe some of your behaviors. There's some good things, but there's also some things we got to be uh, careful of. Maybe you're a free range parent, okay? Or you just... Just let my baby be a butterfly. My baby's a butterfly. I'm just going to let her or let him just wherever, wherever they go, they just, they're just becoming who they're going to be. No, your kid ain't a butterfly. Your kid's annoying. Okay. And you're going to be accountable for God for your behavior because all of us are trying to raise your butterfly. Okay. And so that was free and I'm not sure we'll post that online, but, but. There's all these different types of parents. Maybe you are a single parent in here. Can we just say a big thank you to the single parents and let's just honor the duty, the double duty, the work that you do. We're grateful 
for that. And maybe you, you're, you're not married or you don't have kids or, or for whatever reason you're not have, have children. We want to just say, hey, we're, we're thankful uh, for you because here's the deal. You get a chance to come alongside in mentoring and leading. And we do these child dedications like today, 14, 15 children are 20. I don't even know how many were on the stage. And we have other services as well. But there are lots of people that raise up uh, kids around uh, those parents that come alongside of them. And so maybe it may not be a parent. There's still great leadership principles in this. And maybe you don't have kids, but you read to other people's kids. And then you can look at parents and say, you need to get it right. And if I had kids, this is how I do it. And so there's some great stuff in this. And this last one that I want to bring up is the leaf blower parent. Okay. And this is, um, there's a moment that's coming and you're going to like it. Um, but this is the, the parent where, you know, the kids come to you and they're like, Hey dad, can you, and you just go, you know, you just kind of blow it away. (laughs) Yeah. I blew your hair back. It looks good. Now it's like flowing, feeling good. Um, Beyonce on the front row, (laughs) you know? Um, but it's that the kids come to you and they're like, Hey, I would like this. Or, or you're, you're just like, I'm tired at work. Work was long today, you know, and it's not just dads that are going, Hey, go, go, go ask your mom. You know, it's not just that it's moms that you just need a minute, like in the bathroom by yourself and those grubby little fingers come underneath the door and you're like, like, you know, give mom a second. And, and, and all joking aside, because there's some realities, we're going to ask a big question today, and that's, are you listening? Because things come at us all the time, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's like the worst possible time. Your kids want to talk, and it happens to be at the end of the night when you don't have much left in the tank. You're exhausted. Or, or your kids are coming to you with things. We have to be careful that we don't push or, or blow aside the responsibility that we have. Because guess what? There's going to come a day where they don't come to us. They know if they come to us, they get one of these. I just want to, for a second, just say hey to the hub. We have another venue. I just want to say good morning to all of you guys out there. Um, I know that uh, in your room right now, it doesn't smell like exhaust or uh, your hair's not being blown back, but we love you. And so, but we got to look at our life and say, okay, am I actually listening? Think about it. Are you a listener? If you would take just a moment, think about who you are. At work, would people say at work you listen? If you have kids, would your kids say that you listen? If you're married, would your spouse say that you're a listener? Or you listen to solve the problem, but you're not just listening. It's hard to listen when we have things in our hand. It's hard to listen when we have our phones. I mean, being on our phone isn't listening. But we're in a day and age where we literally have to set down the distraction. You know, dads, it could be exhaustion. You're just tired. The timing isn't the right conversation. It's, it's difficult timing. And maybe you bring work home and, and it's kind of like, I've got this problem. I've got these things. We got to set down whatever the distraction is. We got to set down whatever it would possibly be that's keeping us from fully engaging in a conversation, and honestly listening. So are you a listener? What about from the standpoint of listening to God? 
Do you stop long enough? Do you slow down long enough to listen to God? I was driving the other day and I, I put on some specific, I have a worship playlist. It's called a special sauce. Okay. And that's what I call it. Why? Because my kids and I share playlists. And if I put it a special sauce, it's at the top and they're not allowed to use the letter a, but that's good parenting because dad ain't easy. Okay. And the next one down is another Keith nap. It's awesome. A special sauce, another Keith nap. I love naps. I get the top of the playlist. I earned it. I paid $14.99 a month for it. I get it. Dang it. Also, I have so many kids that we can't actually access iTunes with one of our child because we have too many kids. Um, anyway, so I go to play this playlist and I'm ready to just drive and worship. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking about other things. I'm like, okay, I am not going to engage in any kind of conversation with anybody. If anybody calls, I'm not answering the phone, uh, but I interrupt myself. It's not other people's fault. I interrupt myself and I just want to listen to God. I just want to, I'm just going to worship. I'm going to sing. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to, if people see me on the road, they're going to think I'm crazy. I don't care. I'm going to completely focus. I want to recalibrate. I'm thinking about family goals. I think about my life. I think about where things are going in my life. I just want to focus on God. And man, I couldn't get past myself. Like I'm my own worst problem. Psalm 86 says, incline your ear to the Lord. You know how hard it is to incline our ear to the Lord in our day and time? It's extremely difficult to incline your ear to God. We have to work at it. He goes on to say, and answer me, for I am poor and I am needy. See, we think of those words poor and needy and we often think about finances, but when we think spiritual terms, to incline our ear to God, for I'm poor Without you, I have nothing. I'm impoverished without you. You are my hope. You are my refuge. And I'm needy. Without you, I have no savior. Without you, I have no direction. I would wander aimlessly in my life without you. For I want to incline my ear to you, O Lord. Teach me your way. Show me, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. That I would walk in your truth. For in doing so, you'll unite my heart. For when we dive into God's word, we will fear his name. We incline our ear. There's this reverence, this fear, this trust. Teach me, God, for I'm inclined towards you. When you came in today, you were given a program, and there's some blanks if you'd like to fill it in. It's also on the app as well. I know I talked about the app last week. A lot of you downloaded it, even though I joked about it being $19.99. This week, we rolled it down to $9.99 a month. Okay, if you get that app. Um, no, it's absolutely free, but on there is a family tab and you can register for camps. You can find out what's going on in each environment. Our goal is to come alongside you in your parenting. And maybe you're just, you don't have kids in the ministry, but you're just nosy what the kids be learning up in there. Or God's moving in your heart for you to start serving. It can start that way through the app. Okay. And so you can check in on that, but also there's a tab on there for message notes. So if you want to fill that out or use your programs, you're more than welcome to. We've got to ask ourselves first, are we listening? And secondly, will we incline or will we recline? Will we incline or will we recline? To incline our ear to the Lord or re- recline going, I can't really do anything about it. I'm tired, God. You're, you're, God, you're sovereign. You'll take care of it, but I'll be over here resting if you need me. God, you rested on the seventh day. Therefore, I shall rest. I will watch Netflix. I will chill. <laughs> you know, when in reality, we're to incline. Think about your parenting, specifically dads. 
Are we inclining towards our children for the conversations and going the extra mile? Then we realize our first shift is that when we're home and our second shift is that job. First shift is for our family, is for our kids, is for our marriage. We set that apart as unto the Lord. Like this is the first shift and the second is that of going to work, to incline towards that or will we recline? What an image. I, I remember as a kid, the recliner. You know, it was dad's or grandpa's. Whomever's house it was, that was theirs. That was their sacred place. And I remember my dad, he, we had a recliner and it even had the pockets on the side where you like put like dad stuff, you know? That's where you put your spit cup. <laughs> I grew up in Kansas. <laughs> That's where, you, you know, or you, maybe sunflower seeds, just keep it church, you know, the sunflower seeds. Um, you keep, you know, the newspaper, you keep the remote. Like you knew where to find it and you don't reach too far in there because you don't know what else is in there. Um, like a pair of socks or, or whatever else. Um, my dad sometimes kept his moccasins in there. You know, moccasins, that's manly. You know, it's like, get you some. So um, these were pre-Ugg moccasins. But I remember he had this recliner and my dad would recline in it. But I also remember there were times that he would incline by reclining because we used to play horse with the Nerf basketball, we kept that in that pocket too, you know, and we would play horse in the house. The funny thing is I would move around the room shooting. My dad shot from the same spot. <laughs> you know, it's like, homeboy, you have one shot. You know, you just keep doing the same shot over and over again. And I remember having this relationship where even though he was resting because he was a farmer, he worked 14 hour days, but he'd come back and we would watch like Monday night football. I remember when the dolphins beat the bears, it was the only loss the bears had the entire year. I remember it like it was yesterday, 35 to seven. Don't ask me how I knew Mark Duper, Mark Clayton. I don't even like that team, but it's like locked in my mind, shooting baskets with my dad. And of course the hoop was a lampshade, right? If that's what exactly what it was, but even though he was tired, even even though he spent that time and I still remember it to this day. I remember playing basketball against him and my dad being a farmer, he smelled like dirt, manure, and oil. But I kind of liked it as he would back me down in the paint, you know? It was like physical contact, like, yeah, you know, kids want to wrestle, my dad wanted elbow, you know? And so he's backing me down and doing this lame hook shot that I could totally swat now. Um, but back then I thought it was awesome. And, but it was still that I'm going to spend this time Dads, are you inclining to hear the Lord? Men, women, leaders, kids, are you inclining to hear the Lord? Parents, you know, uh, Proverbs 22 has some incredible portion of, of direction about wisdom and even specifically parenting. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go. Verse 6, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's this training that verse earlier said, this teaching, there's this teaching, this training. We incline our ear to the Lord so we can do just that. Because this life that we want our kids to, to maybe learn about a relationship with God. And maybe you, some of you dads, you're in here and you're going, man, I just feel kind of guilty. I, I, I wish things were a little bit better. Or my kids are out of the house. Like we can't look at it like those days are gone. We can't let our past be our prison. And what I'm praying for many of you men that you get mocked often in a lot of the shows that are out there, like guys are just lazy. They're just losers. There's just, no, there's some people that are different. There's a man by the name of Josiah who followed a man who was a dad to him by the name of David. And there are men in our life that we need to choose just like Josiah that, hey, we're not going to let, we may not be able to choose our family, but we can choose who we can follow. And there's some of you that, you know, dad ain't easy, but today you're making a decision to start afresh. 
You make a decision to really look at things differently, whatever stage that you would happen to be in. Because here's what we know. More is caught than taught. And you may have this thought in your mind, this conversation that you're going to have, and you're going to pull the car over and you're going to have this talk, or, man, when they come home tonight, I'm just going to strategically spend this time and I'm going to teach them, I'm going to train them up in this one little 20-minute session. When we drive to school today, I'm I'm going to talk to them that... Yeah, do those things. Have those conversations. Have heart-to-hearts. But be careful. we got to put that leaf blower down because they may come at an inopportune time that we weren't prepared for. And more is going to be caught by the way that we've modeled what it looks like to follow Jesus than actually in any set-down conversation we'll ever have with our children. You know, Josiah, whom we talked about last week, this king that was kind of like anointed and placed in this position of leading a nation at the age of eight. The reason he stepped into leadership so soon is because his father did not know and follow the Lord. His father, in fact, did evil in the sight of God. And he was murdered by his own officers two years into his reign. And his dad, which is Josiah's grandfather, was murdered as well. And these people had created a vile environment and Josiah's going, okay, it's not working out. I want to be the one to change. I want to be the one to set this course in the right direction. And he's making decisions as a leader differently. And the way he leads as a king is similar to how we are to lead as parents. We have to first and foremost follow the Lord. And even if you're not a parent in this place, you have a responsibility to love and to lead. And what we do in parenting, we're training up and teaching up our children to leave the house. We're transferring the dependence that they have on us to depending on the Lord. That's what we're called to do. And regardless, we can't choose our family, right? But we can choose who we follow. And Josiah made a decision to follow David's God. And there came a point where Josiah's heart completely changed. And guess what Josiah did? He began to follow his Lord. That's what scripture says. Not David's God, but rather his Lord. And he owned that relationship. And as parents, we want to see our kids own and follow God in faith. So we're going to be in 2 Chronicles uh, 34 today. And, and what's cool is we were there last week. And so it's kind of a two-for-one passage. It's one passage in two different weeks. And so we'll revisit a little bit of it. And I try to share some of that so each one in here is privy to that. If you ever miss a message that are out there online, a great resource out there. And you can go back and, and check out all the different things. But Josiah made a decision. He's going to do right regardless. As a king, he eliminated all the distractions by going and tearing down all of these idols that were strewn throughout this uh, nation of Judah, ripped them all down, he crushed them, he crushed up the bones of these people who actually fought, so super kind of graphic and kind of not Hobby Lobby-ish, but this happened, and he's saying, hey, we're cleaning house so we can worship the one true God, and he said, we're going to be a humble nation, we're going to be a teachable nation, and it starts with me, for we will worship faithfully. So he made these decisions. And guess what happened? He made these decisions to follow God, to eliminate all the distractions. And while they were serving God, one of the things that he was impressed in his heart by God to do is to go and to cleanse the temple. For that temple held prostitution before. And he said, no, not in the house of God. Let's get this place cleaned up. And they went in for this extreme makeover temple edition. You know, they went in 
I made that up. I don't know if I should have. But he said Extreme Makeover, Temple Edition, goes in. He's cleaning everything up. He grabs these scrolls. He didn't. Someone else did. And they're like, what is this? And they found the very word of God. They actually found a portion of Deuteronomy. They found what is called the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they found this portion of it, and they're going, okay, we found, like, the word of God. We found the, the, the word of the law, the law of Moses. Like, this is a really big deal. We've never had this before. It's interesting what they do upon finding God's very word. Before we go there, I want to stop for a second and tell some of us in this room that need to hear this. You're asking these kind of questions. Maybe you're encountering something that's pretty big in your life and you're going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? God, should I take this job? God, should I move? God, should I do this? God, what, in a year from now, I know we're here in this place, but God, are you moving me to do this? And you're asking some questions in your mind about what does God want me to do? I want to explain it as best as I can in a short and a simple way. God's will is the same for everyone. God's plan looks differently for everyone. God's will is that you would know and follow the one true God. That you would worship no other gods before him. That you, each and every day, you would get up, you would seek his face in his word. You would spend time meditating on the things of God. That you would go and you would make disciples. Telling people about faith in Jesus Christ and and whom he is. And you would live that out and model that for your, for the, your influence, your circle of influence. That's the God's will for everybody. God's plan looks different for everyone. But guess where Josiah found God's plan? By doing God's will. He knew that God had compelled him to worship faithfully, to go and to make disciples and put God, no other God before him. So he went out and he cleaned out that place of God and said, let's make this a place of worship. And in doing so, he found the very word of God. You want to know where to go in your life? And it may seem a year off. It may seem, and there's some dads. There's, dadding, it is not easy. Here's why. Because some of you bear weight going, I want to lead my family well. If I'm going to take them down this road, leadership is not easy. Leadership is difficult. I want to lead well, God. I want to let my, make my life count. I want to serve you faithfully. And we wrestle and we hold this weight of, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I don't want to be one of those kings like that people around him didn't even like him. I don't want to be someone that looks back on their life with lots of regret and lots of failure. God, I want to just follow you. I want you to know you can find God in the word of God. And Josiah found the word of God. And what did they do? They brought it to him, verse 16, and Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king all that was committed to the servants. They are doing. You said go clean the temple. We do it and guess what? We found the word of God. And they're pumped up, verse 18, and Shaphan read from it before the king. And so he's ready. He's reading this word of God. The first times the word of God had touched the ears of this young leader. And it says, in this king, Josiah, he heard the words of the law and he tore his clothes. See, tearing your clothes was a cultural act. You would tear your clothes when you had great grief upon you. If you lost a loved one, if you were just tore up about something, it was, the Bible says they rent their clothes, they tore their clothes, for there was great grief upon them. He's hearing the word of the law and guess what he's doing? He's grieving for his dad did not know the one true God. His grandfather did not know the one true God. His great-grandfather did not know the one true 
God, and now he's saying, I am in deep sorrow and grief. First time he hears the word of God, that's his response. And we live in a culture that we should not be embarrassed about, but we have the word of God everywhere. What grieves your heart? You know what grieves God's heart? That we put other gods before him. That grieves his heart. We allow ourselves to be distracted. We conform to the image of this world rather than the image of God. It grieves God's heart that we put other gods before him. What grieves your heart? I didn't say what grieves your heart about the world and and then these people over here, this is happening. That grieves my heart that this is happening. No, no. Your heart, spiritually, what grieves you? (laughs) This grieves me. I'm a busy person. I have things going on. I'll just be honest with you. I don't recline well. I'm active. I have like A, D, 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 D. I'm busy. I have stuff. And sometimes I'm too busy for what might be spoken to me and I'm not listening to what could be. I'm prepping for a message because Sunday's coming, right? Hey, kids, doing the work of the Lord. I got to make this phone call real quick. I, I really, they really, I really need to talk to them. This grieves the heart of the Lord. So when I say, are you a listener? I'm not saying, are you a listener? I'm actually asking a question that I was trying to drive the other day and asking myself. And I can't listen past my own distraction and God wants to whisper but I can't hear him over the noise because I got a lot of things going on and what did Josiah do the second that he heard the word of the Lord he ripped his clothes and he said let's go find someone that knows the Lord there's got to be a prophet I've heard of Jeremiah there's a prophetess is there someone that knows the Lord can someone tell us what we do now that we found this word of the law this book of the law what do we do with it he goes to them it says hey they have found it and guess what that person he said find anybody that will help and they go verse 27 they say to him because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his word against the place and its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you've torn your clothes and you've wept before me. I also have heard you declare to the Lord and I'll just tell you, there's some dads in here that you need to weep before the Lord. You need to rip your clothes before God. You need to grieve for what has been, but it's not where you're headed. What was your marriage? It's not where God has you in the future. What was your parenting? It's not who you're becoming. You need to be set free from that. For if we ask of the Lord, he'll receive us. Call on his name. He'll answer us. He'll bring grace to us. His grace is sufficient for anything that we have done. 
And we need to put, maybe it's grief. Maybe part of this weight in this is like, I don't believe that God could use me again because of what I've done. So I'm going to push away the opportunity to possibly hurt, serve him because what will everyone else think about it? And we need to lift this up and set this down. For his promises are true. His grace is sufficient. It's not by our works of righteousness that we've done, but it's only by his mercy, his grace that we can have salvation and we can be used by him. But we're going to pick this up. We're going to pick it up and say, okay, what do I do now? You know what he does? You know what Josiah does when they said, hey, you've humbled yourself. You've ripped your clothes. In fact, this is prophesied to him. I'm going to gather your fathers. I'm going to gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. You're going to have peace. There's been nothing but chaos in this nation. I'm going to bring peace all the days of your life to you and everyone around you. And they brought this message back to Josiah and he hears it. And guess what he does? He tells everybody, here's who I once was. Here's who we once were, but we ain't those people anymore. We aren't those people anymore. No. There's peace that's coming to our house. There's peace that's coming to our nation. There's grace that's coming to us. And he tells everyone, verse 30, verse 31, and the king stood in a, in a place and he made a covenant before the Lord. And guess what he did? Before God and before everyone else, he made a commitment. And he said, all the days of my life, I will serve God. I will not be a perfect king, but I will do everything. And I need your help for me to become that. I need your help for us to become that. He makes this covenant to walk with the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, that he would perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. He makes a personal commitment. And I believe that there are some people here in this room at the hub venue watching online. You need to make a personal commitment to the one true God that you will listen, you will abide and you will keep the statutes of his word. And he told everybody around him, guess what? We are, not I am, we are following the Lord. For me and our house, we're going to serve God. And I'm going to train you, I'm going to teach you up, and I'm going to model to you what faith really looks like. We don't hand our faith down to our kids, we model it. It doesn't just happen. It just doesn't follow through the genealogy of a family. Because guess what? God interrupted what had been done by a couple of evil, evil kings that were murdering children for a God of fire, that were allowing prostitution in a temple. And he came in and through one generation, he changed everything. So we don't hand down what we think we hand down. The world wants to say, you can't become because this has been done to you or because you have done or because they have done. No, you're a Harrington and here's what Harringtons do. No, You're a child of the king. Here's what God's done for you. He's given his only son. Let me redeem. Let me restore you. And guess what? Verse 33. And he did not turn away from following the Lord and the God of their followers. The God of their fathers. Right before that, it says he removed all abominations. He once again said, get that rake out. Let's go comb this nation and make sure there's not a single idol that's left in this place. And all the days he didn't turn away from the one true God. You know, a word that's been mentioned, there's three words and maybe it's me being pastoral, but I see here three T's. We said teaching, we've said training, and then I hear trusting. He trusted the Lord God all the days of his life. Verse 33, trusted the Lord God. My question for you, are you trusting? 
Are you trusting him? Are you listening to him? Think of life like this rapid river, and I see it take place right now in Idaho. We see water running off every mountain everywhere, and streams and rivers, and everything's flowing. It's just like, look at all this, and Shoshone Falls, and you guys are taking selfies and posting it. And I'm like, awesome. Just hope you had a great time. You know, it's awesome. I'm sitting here watching my kids and taking them to stuff that I don't even want to go to. But anyways, um, glad you're having a good time. Um, but I see all this stuff going on. And it makes me think how fast life moves. Are you trusting or are you turning? See, if we're trusting, we're going upstream and other people might not be doing it, but I'm trusting, I'm going upstream different than the generation before me, different than people around me. Are you turning away and just letting the river take you? Wherever it's gonna take you. And you may say, I'm treading. I'm treading water. I'm just trying trying to stay caught up and I just want you to know there's no treading in this. It's either trust or turn. The Bible says at all times, hot or cold. You're either going to be a fragrance of life or the scent of death. Well, that got serious, Keith. Yeah, because it's a big flipping deal. The way we lead our life is a really big deal. There are people following us. There are generations of people. There's a community that needs to know the one true God. We don't have a community that just say, you know, let's just be a little bit more moral. No, no, no. We need a community that's going to lift up God's word and say, no, this is what we live by. When everybody else is living by different standards, this is how we choose to live. You know why this nation that saw the miracles of God walk with God and the miraculous thing that God did? How do they go from watching God do all of these things to not even cherishing his word and not even knowing the first place of where to find it? How does it get to that point? not prioritizing the word of God. See, the word of God is more than a voice in your life. It's the voice in your life. And apathy crept in. You know what apathy is? Apathy is not saying, I could care less. Not one of those kings said, I could care less about the one true God. No, they just simply kind of cared less by their actions. They started following this way and it felt good to the flesh and they got accolades for it. And next thing you know, They found themselves in complacency and false idols were everywhere and people were worshiping everything but the one true God. They couldn't even find his very word. And complacency is a breeding ground for idolatry. So if you find yourself reclining, I want to say you've got to incline. If you find yourself, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'm just tired. God is sovereign and he'll figure it all out. And if God needs me, he'll let me know. And God will save my, God, God is good. God is so good. Yeah. But we're to incline our ear to that good God and live a godly life, not a good life. We have faith to model because we can't just hand it down and hope for the best. No, we've got to live it out and do the hard work. For dad ain't easy, Leading ain't easy, and it begins by us opening our hearts and our ears and listening to the voice of God and prioritizing the Word of God. For when a man of God finds the Word of God and is formed by the Word of God, you better watch out. Because nations will change, families will change, and fresh starts begin. And God will save. God will restore because you've chose to listen. Would you bow your heads with me? God, it's in this moment, our hearts are open, our ears are open. We wanna hear you.
We know following you is not easy for it is a narrow road. Let us have the courage to walk that road. Regardless of our past, regardless of that past that can become a prison to us, we break out of that and say, not today and not now, for I choose to serve the one true God. For me and my house, for me and my leadership, for me and my classroom, for me and my workplace, we're going to chase after God. I am following God, whoever wants to follow along with me, but I'm not going to rely on the approval of other people or the approval of anyone else but you, God. I will chase after you all the days of my life. God, for those of us that need grace in here, we all do. I pray that we know we're forgiven. We've been set free. And you have a plan for us. Let our goals be your goals. For you're our Father. And you have plans and promises for us. It's in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.